Uh, we finished the Malachim Bays a few weeks ago, and the connection is vital. Chorben Bayes Rishon ended up with uh, most of the Yidin in Bavel. Yechania was Yechania was in Bavel in jail for 37 years. Came out was about Truva and. Evel Moroidach takes over from his father, who is now Baruch Hashem, no longer alive. He's happy, the Yidna happy. He's Machabed Yechania. And he, compared to his father and his son, was a, a better guy than them. I don't know, he's Ovid of for all we know, but at least he was Makir, what was going on somewhat. His son is Belshazzar. And as we started... Describing Belshazzar, who's back to the Rishus of his grandfather, was looking as were all the Umasailam, the Eden was certainly watching. Chidishes the Gaim were watching, and the emperors were watching. They all knew and believed that Yermia said that you're coming back after 70 years. So Abby's looking at the big number 70. And the Eden are looking at the number seven, because they want to go back to Israel, and they want to rebuild the base of Mitish. And the Goyim are looking at it, because they're wondering, what's going to happen with the Jews? Is their God really going to bring them back and redeem them? And Belshazzar is looking at it, hoping they won't, because the reason there's anti-Semitism. Modern anti-Semitism is a facsimile thereof, because in the Lower Madrega. So they, it's racial anti-Semitism, and it's a genetic anti-Semitism, that comes, the original anti-Semitism came from Sinai Yardalayalam, the way the Amanivcher, and they're jealous, and they had a choice, they could have accepted, they didn't. And the old rivalry, Esav and Yaakov, and then Yishmal's rivalry, enough to go around, and it wasn't against the Jewish people as in trying to annihilate the Jewish people. It was a Muhammad against the Kosh Baruch. That's important to know for the backdrop of Achashverish as well. Balshatzar and Achashverish both make a pretty long and wild and expensive party. And both of them are celebrating what they consider the demise of the Jewish people in terms of being the Amanifcher. Because they're all looking at the number 70, and 70 years passed, and they're still here. Which means, goodbye Amanifcher. Now, why are they celebrating? Achashverosh is celebrating that now they're staying. If you hate Jews, why are you celebrating that they're staying? You want to get rid of them. You're trying to get the Jews out of the country. Or get rid of them in another way, Rahman al-Islam. Why is he celebrating? The answer is, it wasn't against Jews. It was against it was a Muhammad against the Kaj Baruch Hu, that Hashem doesn't have his Amanifcher anymore, so they're not going to stick this in our face that they have the Torah and they have, and it's all over and everybody's the same now. That's why they're celebrating. So Belshazzar, very carefully, because Belshazzar knows this stuff is very dangerous. People make miscalculations about what a Kaj Baruch Hu will or won't do for Klai Yisrael, or whether Hashem in uh, the Lushan of Haman is Hashem is old and he can't do. They're going to be very careful because before they decide he can't, they certainly know a lot of history that he can, and he did. So they don't want to make any mistakes. You know, Pyro didn't have such a great ending because of that, and Samcherv and many others in between. So Belshazzar gets all his wise men and all his mathematicians together. You wouldn't think it's so hard to count to 70? But it is, because a number of people are going to get it wrong. And he counts, he even leaves a little bit over, just in case. Uh, there's a Chazal point that out. And after he's pretty sure the 70 years are up, he makes a big party, and the mother party, uh, nothing more unnerving at a party. Uh, 
the, didn't have street lights, so picture a palace, it's like very dark outside, and they have these torches on the side, and everybody's eating and drinking, whatever else uh, is going on, and all of a sudden they see a hand writing on the wall, which is not so unnerving, unless the hand's not attached to a body. That can get a little unnerving. Um, and it wasn't lost on him, because um, even if you're Belshazzar, you're not blind enough to not understand that there's a handwriting on the wall and there's no body there and it's detached. That's kind of a nace. And you probably should be interested in what the hand is writing. So they're all looking and there's dead silence, you could be sure. And it writes a whole message and they can't read it, as it says in Daniel. Now he's very nervous because as emperor, he kind of assumes whatever the message is, is probably for him. And, you know, they say, you know, good news doesn't come in a telegram. And... Uh, <laughs> He doesn't know what it is, though, so he needs to find out. He asks, Hisacham, nobody knows. He asks, the Yidin, nobody knows. Only Daniel knew, because Daniel had the Maser in Ksavashurs. That's number one. It's written in Ksavashurs, not Ksavivri. It's also written in code. One Mandamar is written down. Not of course, they're reading it wrong. But Kitsa, Daniel comes and says, Your Highness, I have some news. I don't think he doctored this up like I always say, good news and other news. It wasn't, well, there was good news. Good news is for the Jews, Belshazzar is going to be killed. I don't know if you told him that. And uh, the other news was that Menamina. Uh, Shem counted your schusim and your uh, averis, and it's like 100 to 0. And uh, you really have no reason to exist anymore. And you ran out of um, chances. And uh, you're going to be dead very shortly. That was basically the message in a nice way, but Daniel is working for the government, and he doesn't want to get more angry than necessary. So, of course, Belshazzar believes him, because same reason he believes 70 years of Yermio. For Russia, he's a mind in certain things. And he gives strict orders that nobody should uh, come in, nobody should come out, and the guards, nobody should let anybody in. The kids are, is how he got killed by one of his guards, whatever, but they were overwhelmed by Paris and Madai. And that night, not only was he dead, but the whole Malchus Bovo was gone. Paris and Madai took over, and that was the end of Belshazzar's mix- miscalculation. He was a Russia before, but now that he's taking out the big day kahuna and the klisharis, the base of mikdash, and making a party, that's already too much, even if you're a Russia, and that's it. Afterwards, Paris Amadai take over. We mentioned last week they had a unity government, so they're going to switch off who's prime minister, and Lahavdal, Lahavdal, I don't know if you can say Lahavdal, whatever, that's a different suppose. Okay, <laughs> we'll get into that now. Uh, so, um, Paris Amadai, they have uh, um, a Dayavash, and they have a Kairish, and Dayavish was a year, or less than a year. Part of the mistake was it's hard to measure the years because the kings started a certain month and the half years, three quarters years, that was part of Belshazzar's mistake. And Kerish is now king and Kerish is actually a pretty nice guy and a real Maimon. And that's where the Pusik in front of you starts. And let's see the Pusik first. We'll see Pusik Aleph just for tonight because the Rashi already is a lot to a lot of information here. Shnas Achas. They see it? It's on the flip side of your Ramban. Shnas Achas the Karish Malaparas, Lichlas Dvarashem, Mipi Yermia. Now, this is an interesting. Lichlas Dvarashem means to finish off the Dvarashem, to bring the Nevuah to fruition. Now, Karish is a guy, but he's a very smart guy, and he's not an Akum because he believes in Hashem, and he knows that the Nevuah the Yermia gave was referring to him. The Nevuah was that after. X amount of time, we'll call it 70 years for now, there's going to be a king, a Geisha king, and he's going to be running the world, and he's going to tell the Eden they can go back and build the base of Mekdash. And Kairish realizes that that's him. 
And Kairish himself makes an announcement. This is Ezra writing it. This is Ezra was there, and he's writing down history of what happened. We'll see probably next week from Pusik Bays exactly what Kairish said, but Kairish is fully aware, as he will spell out, that the person in the Navua is him, even though Kairish, Dayavish, Pyro are just code names, different royal names, but he said, I'm the man. Um, I don't know if he was an honor or not, but he, this guy, the Bikadusha, I guess, is good. He says, I'm the man. Hashem met me. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Hashem gave me dominion. I'm in charge. And I'm telling you, go back. And he's actually going to say, you can only go back and build a base of Mazish, but I'm going to tell all your neighbors, the Goyim, to fund it if anybody can't afford to go back. These are exiles. They don't have too much money, and traveling is expensive. I'm going to tell all the neighbors. He makes a world decree that whoever wants to go, the neighbors should help give money, food, transportation, whatever it is, and whoever wants to go should go. And 40,000 people will go. Sounds like a nice number. It is a nice number. There were many more people who didn't go, which is that fleeting comment I made, which I said I shouldn't go into, which I'm not going to go into, but um, most people didn't go. And speaking of things that are voluntary, it's pretty clear that there was an option to go and call it Ratzon Hashem to go. It wasn't a chiv as an Avera if you don't, because Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, Mordechai, Chagas, Chaimelach, and nobody said a word, even if 85% of the people didn't show up. Just think about that. That's a very telling and very important for uh, what's going on in the last 80 years. Uh, on this world, on this planet, in our communities, that's not criticism, that's actually a defense. And um, I, I wish I had uh, the few hours, but I don't even know if we can get to it next week, and maybe that's better, but uh, that's what we were discussing this morning, and um, it's used, certain people say, no, it's a terrible mistake, and making the same mistake they made then. Well, if that was a drastic mistake, the Armour Ghazal, it was a mistake. The question is, how large is the mistake? And Avera, the Navim then, didn't say a word, not a word, in any Pusik. They made an announcement. Ezra himself didn't go. His rabbi is still alive, and Talmud is more important. Just understand. He, he, he himself didn't go right away until Baruch died. So, this is the part we're not getting into. I'm just reading the Pesukim over here. So you have to know. There was an announcement, a grand announcement. Everybody can go. And then there's a Chazal that Hashem had a Tainan Kerish that he told them they can go. He didn't say they should go. So, why is there a Tainan Kerish? It's a Tainan Klai Yisrael. A Tainan also on Kerish. Why don't we have, don't we have a direct Tainan on Klai Yisrael? How can most of you not go? So yes, there's a chazal. There would have been There would have been a few, uh, full geula. That's one chazal, and you have to know what that chazal means against a thousand psukim. None of which say anywhere that there was ever any musr given. Hello, guys. Hello. We just told you to go. It's being financed by the government. Where is everybody? So you'll say no. It's a gemara that says that Ezra cannot levim. That's a rai in this direction. Do you ever wonder why did he only cannot levim? What happened to the rest of Klai Yisrael? Hefkebez and Hefkebez learned out from Sukkim and Ezra. That's in the Why don't you just tell everybody, okay, all you guys who didn't hear this first announcement above them, you have 109 days, however long it takes to travel, to get here. Whoever's not here by then, I'm mafkir your palaces and all the things you're staying for. And if I find anybody back in Bovo who is well enough to travel, you're all in big trouble. No such thing. Why is it Kanasim Levim? You got to run. They were supposed to rebuild the base. got to run the big dish. They need X amount of Levim and Kainim. But after that, ain't plates of Pam and Sansev. There's no mention of anything. 
just giving you food for a controversial thought. Uh, but the Pusik says the announcement is being made over here. Okay. So, anybody who's listening and already is uh, banging on the table somewhere, wherever you're going to listen to this afterwards, uh, there's, I have another four hours this year. I'm just throwing out enough bait to, for you to think about what you can, you can make in a Pusik, and the biggest dig is what you can make what's not in the Pusik. That's the, that's the first thing. But getting back to Kairish, so he's a nice guy, and as it says, he makes the beautiful announcement, and 40,000 people, it's a very nice number, get up and go. And you look at Rashi, in Pasuk Allah, B'Shnas Achas the Kairish Melech Paris. Say this, Sefer Zeh, Sadar Mashal Achas Sefer Daniel, Gavurish, Babasra, because Daniel was, after the Chorban Bayez, taking his young child, by Golus Yechania, and... We know all about Daniel, and Daniel is playing a big role in Megillus Esther as well, even though he's disguised as Asach, according to Manshita. Skip down to the brackets. Next part, Tchila Sefer. Do you have the brackets in your copy? About eight lines down? Tchila Seder Sefer Zeh. So listen carefully. Kachush Lachashnerik Balshatzar. We just finished with that party and the writing on the wall. Mala Dayavash Amadim. Shnamra Dayavash Mada Kabo Machusa Ugaimer. So he took over for, let's call it a year, give or take. And that's this Kerish over here. Very nice guy, doing Russian Hashem. Now, hold your finger on the Rashi for a moment, and with tremendous agility and dexterity, look at the other copy as well. Let's see if you can um, chew gum and hold two Marmot at the same time. Uh, just don't lose the place. We're going to go back to it in a moment. Uh, this chart in front of you is a brief summary of the last three months of Shear here. We have the last four kings. Yochaz ben Yoshio. Yoshio was killed in battle, prime of his life. We slide then to the Chorban, and it never gets better. Yochaz, Yochaz, both Rishayim. Then Yochaz, who's also a Russia, but does Truva in jail after 37 years. That's Yechanya. Notice how Golis Yechanya Bishnaz Gimel, 3327. Last king, Tzitkio, we spoke about a lot, personally was a tzaddik, in a very difficult situation, made mistakes, but was a tzaddik, and that's Tzitkio ben Yoshio, and then the Chorban. What's important for this Rashi is there are three stages of Golos before the Chorban. We highlighted two in the Navishir, as of a few weeks ago. The third one is important for what we're discussing, so I want to tell you about it. We have Gaulus Yechania. The reason that was so famous, the reason it's so famous, is because he took the Cherish Lamaskar, which is all the cream of the crop, to Midacham and the leaders, and Nebuchadnezzar wanted them out of the picture because he knew he was coming back a third time soon to destroy. He didn't want any resistance, and he knew the backbone of the people was from the Tzmidachamim. So, approximately nine years before the Chorban, he came and he took many people to Gaulus, including the cream of the crop, settled them in Bovel, as we explained during the Navi Shir, that was a tremendous bracha because they laid down the infrastructure for the yeshivas and the shuls and the whole communities that when they got there by the Chorban, they actually had the ability to function. Nebuchadnezzar didn't do it for that reason. He did it because he wanted to knock the kishkas out of any resistance. That was the second gullus. The first one was what we're calling gullus Yehoyakim on your chart, the second king. Yehoyakim became king. He was king for 11 years. And the third year of his reign is when Nebuchadnezzar showed up the first time. He was the ascending world power. For it was Asher, Sanchei was out of the picture, and Asher went down. Bubble's coming up, and Nebuchadnezzar is conquering the world. He gets to Israel, and he conquers Israel very easily because they're headed to the Chorban. 
And Eretz Yisrael is now, unfortunately, a vassal state, and Yoyakim is a puppet. Nebuchadnezzar, as you know, keeps the local puppet there because it's easier to administer the land when they know the king. And he warns him, you better behave because um, just collect the taxes and make sure nobody rebels and I'll keep you here and you won't be killed. Yoyakim, who wasn't really with the program, and his advisors weren't with the program either, uh, he had advisors who were at the Milchamim, but they weren't close to him because he didn't want them close to him. And his advisors told him that you've got to have Jewish pride, like what happened at the end with Sifkio and happened in Second Bias. Same problem is that uh, false pride, too little, too late, wrong place. And Yermio keeps telling everybody, forget the pride, why don't you do tshuva, and then we'll talk about pride. Um, doing tshuva is harder. Rebelling, they thought, was easier. It ended up being a lot harder than doing tshuva. But that's 2020 hindsight. And Yoyakim, in the third year of his reign, uh, starts rebelling. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar has enough of him, and after 11 years, comes back and tells the Sanhedrin to hand him over. Sanhedrin was still there. And Sanhedrin hands him over. I didn't focus on this during the Navi Shir because even the conversation is, is a Chiddush, but the Maskana, we know. If you were in the Sanhedrin, how would you pass him? Nebuchadnezzar comes and says, hand over the king. Dead or alive. So they went to the king and said, Your Highness, there's somebody out there looking for you and it doesn't look too friendly. What should we do? So Yoyakim, no doubt, said, Ignore him. So they said, We can't. He's going to kill everybody else. Yoyakim is Chayim Isa a thousand times over already. He was an Ovid Abelazar and he's the one who supported the rebellion. So he's putting everybody else in danger. So they came back to him and tried to be nice about it and says, Your Highness, um, we apologize, but uh, we thought this would go a little bit easier, but apparently you don't want to go, so we're sending you anyway. And they took him and they lifted him over the wall and they arrested him, put him in chains, and as he's being dragged away, within the hour he was dead because he couldn't handle this, and he died. So that was the end of Yoyakim. And the, the, the way the Chazal t- tell it over, they say, Yoyakim all of a sudden got very firm and very learned. He said, no, it's a whole sugya. You can't do that. You can't hover. Had a whole lumdus. And Sanjay said, do me a favor, leave the lumdus to us. You really haven't been learning all these years, and that's not the Maskana, and um, you're coming with us. And they had no choice, and they'd much rather him do tshuva earlier, but it was too late. Yehokim is out of the picture. Yechania is now appointed king. Interesting enough, it's all part of Hashem's plan, but uh, he appointed him king. This is Yehokim ben Yehokim. So Benachemneser appoints him king. Why? Because he gave him the same instructions. You saw what happened to your father. This time I really want you to behave. And if you don't, this can happen to you, so behave. And he assumed he's going to behave. He got back to Babylon. His advisors told Nebuchadnezzar. He said, what'd you do that? You pointed the son of the guy who just rebelled. You can't trust him. He said, you're right. He came back and he called a meeting. Yochan thought that this we covered. Yochan thought that having a meeting, okay, he's going to give me some more instructions. And uh, he went with his wife and kids and he showed up at the palace. He was waiting a city of kilometers away. And he had him promptly arrested and sent to Babylon where he spent 37 years in jail. That was after three months. Notice how it says, Shalosh Chadashim. When he was there, Nebuchadnezzar, the first time by Yehoyakim, and the second time by Yehoyakim, we have Golas Yehoyakim, before Yehoyakim was killed, the very first time when he conquered Eitz Yisrael, he went into the base of Mitish, took some of the Kalim, helped himself, didn't destroy the base of Mitish yet, and exiled many, many people. That's called Golas Yehoyakim, the beginning of Yehoyakim's reign. Golas Yehoyakim is the more famous one because he took the Cheresh Lamaskeb, he did the same thing. He went to the base of Mitish, took some more Kalim, and exiled some more people, including the Tamid al-Khamen. Approximately eight or nine years after the first one. So you have 18 years before the Horban was Golas Yehoyakim, 
Around eight, nine years, I'm saying about Dafka vague because part of the mistake was it was eight and a half years, whatever. That was part of Roshatz's mistake. Goes Yechania, and then approximately nine years later was the Chorban. Now, you now have enough information to understand what the Shiloh over here is. We had Belshazzar making a pretty bad mistake. Deserved it and got killed. We had Achashverish making the party and he starts off, the Gemara Megillah says, Befeirish, my Shver is a Shver. That's his daughter, Vashti. Daughter, granddaughter. My Shver, grandchild. is that my Shver didn't know how to add, didn't know anything about math and clearly didn't understand the was Yermia. He says, I'm going to get this right. And he had his own calculations. He says, this time he got it. And guess what? It passed, and now we're throwing a party. Same vicious anti-Semite Belshazzar was, and he's now we're throwing a party. The Aminifcher are lost, and Klai Yisrael is gone forever. So what should have happened is he should have had another disembodied hand writing on the palace wall in Shusham, uh, something else in code like you're a lowlife and you have an hour, Therefore, uh, nice seeing you. But that didn't happen because we need him for the Megillah. What's Purim without Achashverosh? <laughs> we need Hashem wanted him around as a pawn. So uh, Hashem uh, used him. Hashem, but uh, for some reason, he was kept around and he wasn't killed. And he was used to save Klai Yisrael, interestingly enough. That needs further Hezbo for a different time. And he didn't get killed. But he was wrong. He wasn't dead wrong, but he was wrong. Why? Well... We don't exactly know why Belshazzar was wrong. We don't know why he was wrong. And we certainly don't know if you can't just say, like I just said, that, well, it's a few months off and the Melech starts the year over here. It's a half a year and a whole year. He was off by almost a decade. This is three years into his reign. He only reigned for about uh, 13, 14 years. He was off by a decade. His son, more than a decade, his son, Dayovish II, who was Esther and Achashverosh's son, is a couple of years into his reign going to give Rishos to continue the building now which was stopped by either Kirish or somebody else after they got Rishos originally. I didn't tell you that part yet. The enemies wrote letters, nasty letters in, letters to the editor. The Jews are taken over and they're rebelling. And that. So somebody put a stop to it. Some say it was Kirish and he went off, even though he gets good press over here. Uh, he's worried about political instability, so it's not worth it. And some say the Gura says it was another Atar Shasta in between. These are common names, so we never know which one is which. But there was a king in between who stopped it. Whatever it is, Ahasuerus and Vashti fully supported the stop work order. And it was quite a stop work order because this small little chazal, you know, we, perm's only one day, so we read the Megillah kind of quickly. And Esther walks in when there's an Esara and she has a request and Achashverosh says, whatever you want, we have a great relationship, whatever you want, just one thing, don't ask me about the base of Mikdash. Now, for your question, he didn't know she was Jewish. He still didn't know. That's a funny thing to say. Whatever you want, just don't talk about the Jews and that stop work order. We're not lifting that order, and we got a lot of red tape there. Don't go there. What's his problem? <laughs> if you knew she was Jewish, I understand to, to bavarin such a, such a question. The answer is, their whole, the whole party wasn't the party also celebrating the Jews. The whole beginning of the Megillah starts with parties celebrating the demise of the Jewish people, and their whole... Memshallah and their whole program was to continue what either Kairish or somebody else stopped, even though they gave permission in the first place, and we're not starting it again because we don't believe Hashem wants to redeem them. Haraya, I counted again, and Hashem forgot about them. Well, he counted wrong, and his own son is going to give Rishus to continue, but that's after the Megillah ends. Question is, we're not a year or half a year off. We're like a decade off. Where'd that come from? So, we're out of time now. We will get to it, the Mitzvah Shem, 
next week, I hope. Part of the answer, and you understand why I prepped you with all this, is that the number is 70, nobody argues. You've got to count 70 right, not 69. You've got to know half years. Okay. So you've got to get a good team and know what it's talking about. But it's not 80 and it's not 60. Like how are you a decade off? The answer is 70 from what? Now, remember, not coincidentally, this is a plan. We spoke last week and two weeks ago about B'nai Ephraim. B'nai Ephraim, hey, look at B'nai Ephraim. This is not the Hashverosh and Pashasah. And they ran out of Mitzrayim, like tens of thousands of them, and made it out, B'derach Neis, to get killed and destroyed by the Plishtim. Why were they leaving? What's going on? The answer is, they felt the time for the Gula is here. Ah, their own Alta Zeta didn't agree. That's a problem. And the rest of Klaiso wasn't going anywhere. Never do anything in life where most of Klaiso is not doing the same thing, no matter what your rayas are. That's a general claw. Um, that's, that's important for that other discussion as well. And they were wrong, but they meant well. What were they thinking? The answer is, they all had the same Navua. We know what was told to Abba Mavino, and we need, uh, well, there's a Gullus and there's a Brisbane and Basarim, and we know it's X amount of years. Like, how do you mess that up? The answer is, very easily, when does it start? Got to know in life when the clock starts ticking. You can know what the number is without knowing when it started. It doesn't do you much good. So, but I made a calculation, and they said it started from Bispen and Basarim. Their different sheet is when it started and what the Cheshpin was, but it started from Lady Zitzchak, or it started from when they went to Mitzrayim, or Yechevet. It didn't start from Bispen and Basarim. That's a big mistake. Where I'm going with this, obviously, not me, the Gemara and the Ramban, we'll see next week, is that there were three Shlavim, there were three Golios, three different steps. And they were 18 years apart. So, 70 is the number. Do we start from Yoyakim, Yechanya, or the Chorbun? That's a pretty big differential. And there are people who got killed making this mistake. So, as you see, uh, the issue of Ikhfazel Mashiach, Ikhfazel Mashiach, and figuring out when the Gula is, when it isn't, and then the false Mashiach in between, it's a complicated subject. It's always making Cheshben. You have to know if the number's right. And then, even if you have the right number, they all had 70, you have to know where you're starting from. And um, we'll find out next week, Achashverj made a pretty big mistake. And we'll see what the Cheshpin is, and there's a lot more to learn from what the numbers would be, and how many 70-year demarcation lines should we have. Most of us think one. Now we've got to figure out when it's from. It's not one. It's three. Just to get you... Uh, thinking about it during the week. I mean, it's a sham. We'll uh, see that next week.